in the end, we are all here just for the customer. We are creating a service that should, in the best case, solve a problem that the customer has, a real problem. And people want to be involved there. So they want to take part in this and be part of that mission as well. Welcome to the Agile Digital Transformation Podcast, where we explore different aspects of digital transformation and digital experience with your host, Tim Butera, Content and Community Manager at Agile Drop. Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. I'm joined today by Mirko Svilus, Vice President of Engineering at Staffbase, a leading platform for internal business communication. Today, we'll be talking more broadly about organizational models, and then Mirko will tell us in a bit more detail about their particular implementation at Stabbase. So welcome, Mirko. It's great having you with us today. Anything to add before we jump into the discussion? No, just um, so thank you so much for having me. It's great to, to speak about those interesting topics and happy to jump in. I'm sure that this this topic will definitely be one that resonates uh, with our viewership. I mean, our our listenership. To to be more specific, because you know we we do talk maybe a little bit more about this organizational business leadership aspect of the digital business rather than the super technology aspects. So yeah, I think that this will be a definitely an interesting discussion both for us as well as for anybody listening. So I'm pretty sure that most of our listeners have a basic understanding already of what organizational models are, but let's still kick things off by defining them more specifically to make sure that we're all on the same page so that we all know what we're talking about. So what are organizational models and what would be some common examples of these model structures? Yeah, I think in the in the past there there have been developed some some different directions as well. So I think twenty years ago we all were very used to use like waterfall models for for developing software, right? You would talk about requirements very early and then develop something for half a year or even a year or even longer, and then at the end of this development you would ship your 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 service right and then uh yeah surprisingly most of the time those requirements weren't really meeting or the, those those implementations weren't really meeting the 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 requirements of our customers right and that's why agi came in and we 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 thought about okay how to change this whole this whole approach here so that we can yeah iteratively develop our software and yeah, inspect and adapt early on and, and deliver every spin to so all the things that we know. And around that, I think there were different like models of organizational structures also developed and by the time. So uh, some of them more strict, some of them a bit more yeah loose, so to say. One one famous thing maybe is save the, the scaled agile framework. I think it's a lot about transforming a traditional enterprise into a, a like like a big corporate into a something that is more agile, but it has a lot of structure and and a lot of things that you have to follow. And from my perspective, it's not very flexible, and it comes with a lot of um, conventions and so on. So it, it's a very comprehensive, uh, big framework, and it's difficult to uh, to understand this. Which is maybe also an issue because uh, you know we want to have this buy-in from from the people within the organization, and if people don't get what the model is about, then things are going to be 
complicated, right? And then there's there's other things like over over the years that are more a bit more flexible, more agile, that also maybe talk not a lot about all the dimensions, like the Spotify model, for instance, where it just talks about how to set up tribes and, and teams and so on. So that there's just different language that they use, right? Like with a with with a squad being a team, and then then you have a tribe that is a team of teams, like a uh, with different spots in there, and then they talk about chapters and and guilds and so on. And but it's not so much about org charts or about reporting lines or something in that direction. And then there's also some some more recent developments like the the Unfix model from from Jürgen Apollo, which is a I think great great pattern kind of a i think he doesn't like it to call it a framework it's more like a a, a best practice or a pattern and um, that is also interesting for us because it has a lot of parallels to our to the things that we did right so but me, maybe we can jump into that uh, later on so yeah organizational models are just yeah the operating system for the for the organization right that that last bit was, I think, really, really well put. They're the operating system for the organization. That, that That's uh, really spot on. So how does the right uh, organizational model benefit a business? Yeah, so I think in the end, you have to look at the, at the DNA of, of your company and of your organization. So it's quite... It, it has to be a fit, right? And and it has it has to to reflect the things that you're doing, right? And I think for every organization, it's a good idea to think about their own way, to look at the best practices and the patterns that they're out there in the market, to uh, have a conversation with with peer organizations, with with organizations in the same market, maybe or in the same industry or in the same size, or and and then think about what what should we think about now and what can be leave to be decided later so i think some of of us we we all being engineers coming from the engineering side we always have this idea of of pre major optimization right we we want to do things right from the beginning and want to think about things very early and that's that's maybe also an issue but but for us i think it's a good idea to just look at the challenges that you're currently having and trying to anticipate the next step and and see what's what's right for you so so in a way it's like the right organizational model helps a company kind of be more what it is you know to put it really bluntly you know so if i'm it it allows a company to to stay closer to their vision if the organizational model is aligned with that vision with that dna yeah i mean it's also about keeping the people in the business right so mm-hmm. that that it's also i mean nowadays the competition on the market is very mm-hmm. uh, uh, very rough right and if i mean i have a lot of colleagues as well and i i've been with a big corporate for 7 years like a, a big enterprise and a lot of people left because of the structure like you can say because of the organizational model right that was kind of a a competitive disadvantage in, the, in that sense and that makes a lot of difference right in the competition on the market for for those for for this talent in the end that was a very very good point yeah especially in current times where i think that this competition is kind of getting tougher and tougher due to you know a whole number of reasons so how do you so we discussed the benefits of choosing the right organizational model for your business dna but uh how do you know 
which model is right for you? How do you go about choosing the right model for your company? So I think in the end, it's connected maybe to um, to the success that you that you can measure in a way. Like what is, uh, how do you perform? How how are your teams performing? And what kind of feedback do you get from the from the team? Right. What what are the the points in your processes in the structure where people get annoyed, where people feel that is not working well, and then connect this to a broader structural issue maybe and fix those things. And I think if you have the feeling that you are progressing in that sense, then you're you're on the on the right track, right? And 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 if not, then you have to change something and and find like also inspect and adapt the things that model your organization mm -hmm. okay yeah yeah that makes sense and what kind of role should leadership be playing in all of this you know in in measuring the model in choosing the model and also has this role of leadership changed at all in the past few years so let's say since the beginning of covid Oh yeah, that, that's that, that's a couple of questions, right? Mm -hmm. But I think nowadays we we differentiate between management and leadership. Why we mm -hmm. think like projects should be managed, right? And things should be managed. But people, for people, it's more interesting to have a a real leader, so to say, a servant leader in the best case. And those people, I think, should lead in a in a way by by example, like right, like doing the things, just just showing how they work and make this transparent showing all the challenges they face and also the failure and the, the and the mistake in their work as well and yeah and i mean for for me as a leader in our organization my my mission statement is to create the best possible work environment for all of our engineers and then in, in the meantime that's that's a big huge group of people right and for me it's it's always And, and has been exciting very much because it, it's my first management gig. So I started with Starbase as an engineering manager and then, yeah, my, my responsibility grew over time. What I always wanted to have is this kind of inspect and adapt things that we that we look at organizations and look at the things that we can fix or that we should fix right now. And also to collect this kind of feedback and see also our developers, our engineers as customers, right? As people who have specific requirements regarding their work environment right and regarding their their level of autonomy and the level of belonging to a team and so on so that is that is their requirement and we as leaders and the people who shape this kind of organization together with the team are in the responsibility here yeah i mean definitely your employees should be if they aren't they definitely should be one of your most essential stakeholder groups because after all you know it's it's usually not the leader the manager that directly creates experiences that will then directly connect with the customers and users it's the people it's the employees and if if they don't feel valued then that feeling of you know being unvalued and unappreciated will probably translate at least somewhat into the experiences into the content that they create and that will in turn negatively impact your company's brand so you know investing in your employees and investing in their well-being should just be a no-brainer if you want to be successful especially since we just discussed the top the, the heavy competition both uh, in the innovation side as well as on the talent side so yeah it's just 
this is what you should be doing. Yeah, I totally agree. So and it's it's also about like the impact that people can have on their on the service and their product. So I feel that people want to have this impact and they want to progress and grow together with the service that they provide for the customer. Because in the end, we are all here just for the customer. We are creating a service that should, in the best case, solve a problem that the customer has a real a real problem. And people want to be involved there, so they want to take part in this and and uh, be be part of that mission as well. Mm-hmm. And since you asked for COVID, I think there was just this. I mean, this this change with with, with work locations, obviously. So that that was a big shift for us as well. I mean, from the from the structural side, so from the from the endpoint situation, we we never had any issues. So we were like uh, able to work remotely right from the start. So there were no no issues on the technical side, but on the cultural thing, we also had to had a look and and keep this this feeling of belonging for our team members because for us the team is the most important foundation for us so that that's where the value is created and also where the people have this feeling of belonging to a team and with covid this was going to get difficult because people wouldn't meet personally on the coffee machine or in in the office standing together on the whiteboard sharing all those little micro interactions with each other so that that was that was uh, really difficult and we had to kind of work around this and and try things out and uh, also we uh, yeah, talked about like how to how to do virtual events and and all that stuff that that all of us did back then and now we are slightly coming back to the office but we experienced and we observed that the situation changed dramatically so people were used to work remotely and the whole work situation changed although for some uh, for them and for us as well so while we especially me personally i was always striving for having co-located teams because i thought it's a good idea if we can manage it so we have for the engineering here in europe we have four different engineering locations and i was thinking okay if it's possible then make it possible that the, that the team can stay co-located and we when we did interviews and so on we always looked into okay this candidate could be someone for for berlin for instance for a berlin office and it would be maybe a fit for the team over there and that was always in our heads mm-hmm. but with covid now this totally changed because teams are distributed away and we just Nowadays, we just want to make sure that they can meet maybe for a sprint switch where we have two week sprints and then and, and that they can meet in some of the offices and that traveling wouldn't take that long to those locations. But other than that, uh, we are, yeah, we're distributed now. So that's, that's a change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so it's, it was a very similar change to what a lot of other companies experienced that were already kind of allowing for some remote work, kind of embracing the digital. But still, you know, it, it just it just goes to show that even the companies that, that were somewhat prepared were kind of thrown into the deep end two years ago in March when, when, when everything struck. And, you know, and first we, we just thought that it would last for like two months and we didn't really prepare as thoroughly as as we probably should have because you know we thought it was just something temporary and but but i assume so you know we talked about how agile is has kind of become this new default model and and i assume that that you also you know you also apply agile methodologies at staff base and and i'm i'm wondering if this is something that you already did pre-covid i assume it is right but but you probably took it to the next level in the past two years 
Yeah, we are constantly uh, developing this forward. So Starbase was founded eight years ago, and it, it has a very, it had back then a very deep agile DNA already. So all the principles were already in there because when you create something on the green grass, so to say, mm -hmm. then then it's then it's going to be the thing that you create. And and the people were very conscious about the decisions back then. And and I'm very grateful for this because it created right from the beginning an environment that is that is just great for us, right? And we started with Scrum so that, that every every team did Scrum and is today also I, I believe like um all of our teams are more or less doing the the Scrum, some more by book, others uh, being a little bit more flexible. Mm -hmm. But we want to, in the end, we want to um, also have this kind of responsibility and ownership with with the teams. So we want to kind of dictate the agile model that that they that they have to choose. So if a team wants to have wants to do Kanban because they feel it's a bit a little bit too much over there with with that methodology, then it's okay for us. So it's yeah. it's just the team that should decide what is the best way of working for them. And we would only um, challenge this if we feel that they're struggling with something. So and then they they can't solve this thing themselves but other than that we, we just leave this autonomy to the teams and yeah and over the last two or three years we 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 scaled massively so we, we grew with, with with lots of and a lot of dimensions like adding a lot of people into into the team we had some MAs going on and yeah that was huge changes uh, every quarter, so to say, for us. So with everyone that was with Staffbase at the time, even if your business title stayed the same, your your tasks and your responsibilities would change with every quarter without changing your business title because the environment changed so rapidly and so dramatically. And then, yeah, we also had to think about like, how do we scale this whole thing? And that was that was kind of the, the main challenge uh, throughout the last two or three years. It really sounds like you you have embodied this true agile mindset of of kind of constant adaptation and and kind of embracing that. So that's really cool to hear. There's one thing that that I forgot to ask or or that that we didn't get a chance to talk about. I wanted to ask is you as a leader and and you just told me about your your very interesting leadership approach based on teams on these distributed teams. How do you ensure taking all this into account? How do you ensure that the right people are involved in the right decisions and the right processes without creating any bottlenecks or any friction. Yeah, that's that's a challenge still for us as well. So that's also something we struggle with. So we we have certain experts that are experts in multiple domains. I think every organization has it, right? So those those most senior tech persons, for instance, right? And you want them to have them involved in, in nearly every technical decision because they are so crucial to the domain and they are, they are the experts there and um and there's there's a handful of those people only and that's also creating an issue in, in bottlenecks right because it's it's very easy to to overload those people with with getting them pulled into every working group and every decision circle and and so on so that's that's going to be difficult there and we have to work on distributing this expertise to to more shoulders create tandems knowledge tandems and so on and we are we're working on that but uh, on it but it's it's still a challenge for us as well yeah i mean it does sound like one of the most challenging things from both ends right it's both as you just said it's not just knowing who to include in which process 
but when you have a, a person that that has so much expertise that it's a high risk of them getting spread too thin then you also have to consider very deeply about which specific process or project you want to include this person in without you know burning them out or something like that so so that's i guess one challenge that a lot of business businesses will have to solve and how how are you solving this how are you tackling this yeah i mean the ultimate answer for for me is to um, to get all the ownership into the team that owns a service so our teams like with with every scrum situation you have those those teams of seven people plus minus two or something mm -hmm. and that team owns a service a specific domain and when you really get to the point when you decoupled all your services using for instance a microservices approach or something then those those bottlenecks that oversee a whole lot of domains and so on would automatically decrease because mm -hmm. the team would own the service and there wouldn't be those those experts that are responsible for for a lot of things at the same time right and that's something we we are working towards like decoupling things we as i said before we grew very fast in the past and we also piled up a lot of technical depth as well and one of these structural architectural depth is that we modularized our our architecture too late i would say so mm -hmm. it was a balanced decision as well so it was a conscious decision so we have to grow we have to deliver features to our customers the market is very demanding and we have this historic opportunity now and we are not able to go into pre-major major optimization now like building a lot of microservices with a demand that is not already there but now we have it and we have to work on this to decouple things like on a structural architectural side of things but that would lead with 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 team topologies and so on that that would automatically lead also to having more autonomous teams and yeah also for the decision making processes it would be more easy to uh, for to, to decide things because the decision could stay within the team and would not be dependent on on like three other teams or something because you have so many interfaces between the between the services and 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 dependencies between the services right and that is that is i think the the ultimate answer to get into autonomous teams and decoupled systems in the end yeah i was thinking while you were telling me how to address this how to tackle this i was just thinking that i i guess probably the the best approach is this team based approach even though I would assume that, that that would pose some additional challenges like like the higher risk of silos emerging or something like that. But uh, I, I guess this is why we're discussing this in an episode that is, that's exploring new trends and new topics, because obviously this isn't an area that, that has all the best practices and all the standards super specifically fleshed out yet. So I guess that we're right now in the role of setting these standards, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah, what you said for the for the silos is very interesting for us as well. So there, I mean, from the Spotify model, we had those chapters like overlaying um, organizations where where you would be in the team, right? Let's say you you would be in the team being the the backend developer or something, and then there would be a, a backend chapter 
where all the backend engineers from the other teams are also in there. Mm -hmm. And you would discuss things that are specific for the backend and for your for your stack, for the things, how you deploy things on the backend, maybe about APIs as well, about you know all the, all the specifics, right? That would be discussed in the chapter. And that that's still something that we use as well to overcome those silos and, mm -hmm. and stay in contact with each other and create those groups of of expertise and of, of, of experts in the end. That's very interesting for us. Now that we scaled so much, we have to think about how to um, break those chapters down a little bit as, as, mm -hmm. as well again, right? So we have now different product units and within those units, we have a, a thing that we call streams, which is a collection of, of teams. And one one big chapter for everything would would be just not handleable anymore. It would be too complex. There would be too many people in there. Mm -hmm. So we have to split it down. And also from the from the Unthinks model from from Jürgen Apollo, um, there there is this nice nice idea of having super chapters as well, where you would have a chair from from your from your lower chapter into uh, the chapter that is the super chapter, and it works a lot with delegation and so on. And it's it's a thing that I, that I find is very interesting, and I think we, we're going to impl implement those things as well. I'll definitely have to include uh, links with more information about all of these models in the show notes so that listeners can, can access everything directly. But Mirko, this has been a fantastic conversation. I, I think that, that we just we discussed a lot of very important stuff, important stuff for leaders, for managers nowadays. So just before we finish, if our listeners would like to reach out to you or maybe learn more about Staffbase, where can they do that? So for Staffbase, it is so we have a, we have a, a website. So mm -hmm. it's, it's a new thing in the internet. You can open <laughs> your browser and type in an address, and then it's <laughs> staffbase.com. It's very new. Don't know if it if it works out in the future as well, but for now it's a shiny <laughs> new technology, the interweb. Yeah, and then obviously LinkedIn, so you can uh, reach out on um, on LinkedIn to me. So that's that's my platform for for every kind of uh, conversation and network as well. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, I'll make sure to also link both of those. Uh, thanks so much, Mirko, for being our guest today. It's It's been a pleasure. It's been great. Thank you so much. It was my pleasure. Goodbye. Bye. And to our listeners, that's all for this episode. Have a great day, everyone, and stay safe. Thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to check out our other episodes, you can find all of them at agiledrop.com slash podcast, as well as on all the most popular podcasting platforms. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any new episodes, and don't forget to share the podcast with your friends and colleagues.